Hi, I am Eli Aringay from On Faith and Fatherhood and welcome to my podcast. Through this podcast, I will be sharing my insights on parenting, homeschooling, family, and faith. It is my belief that family is God's instrument to carry on His commands and decrees from one generation to the next. And as parents, it is our duty to raise obedient and God-fearing children. A famous line from the Philippine national hero, Dr. Jose Rizal, in one of his works was, and I quote, Ang kabataan ang pag-asa ng bayan. Ang kabataan ang pag-asa ng bayan. I'm, I, I'm sure many of you heard this line over and over again. Written originally in Spanish, it was part of a poem of Rizal in 1879 with a title, A la Juventud Filipina. The English translation is To the Filipino Youth. That famous line, Ang Kabataan ng Pag-asa ng Bayan, is still used by many nowadays in the, the context of and the, to convey a message of political change. The line is uh, used often as a slogan to stimulate the youth to vote for the right candidates or... Uh, to vote wisely, or to even run for public office. Interestingly enough, and um, if you still remember your learnings in the subject, uh, the life and works of Rizal, maybe during your high school years or uh, during college, the message of the poem, Ala Juventud Filipina, was not actually political in nature. The poem was an exhortation for the Filipino youth to be mindful of and uh, acknowledge their talents and skills. Rizal was basically encouraging the youth to believe in their abilities, in their uh, intellect and skills as being at par with the rest of the world. So much so that every youth can, potentian, can potentially bring pride to our country, the Philippines. As uh, with regards to, their, to, the, to the Spaniards, Rizal was actually telling the youth to be humble in their pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. Rizal reminded the youth not to be like the Spaniards. You see, the Spaniards looked down on others with contempt and uh, considered them inferior, even calling Filipinos as Indios or uncivilized. Rizal um, tells the Filipino youth to remain humble in their achievements and uh, intellectual uh, prowess. Clearly, the message of the poem was not about revolting against the government or, or overthrowing the ones in power. Rizal was not suggesting for a political upheaval. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that it is better if we remain to be a colony of the Spaniards. Let me just be clear on that. Of course, I am grateful that we are no longer a uh, colony of any foreign nation. My only, my only point is that the line, and I quote, ang kabataan ng pag-asa ng bayan, has been used and abused nowadays to drive a political message when that was not the objective of the work. Politics is one, if not the most divisive topics in the history of humanity. 
I would have to say politics and religion are on the same level when it comes to having several divided opinions on certain issues, on a lot of issues actually. But here in the Philippines, um, political issues put social media on fire. <laughs> it is not merely a struggle between political figures but becomes a battle between their followers. And most of the time, the results are not so pleasant. Lots of cursing, bashing, and even name-calling. Not between the actual personalities involved, but between their followers. It is so divisive that relationships between friends, even between relatives, become so strained as a result of their political positions, biases, and preferences. Now, this is a parent parenting podcast, <laughs> not a political podcast, so I'll go back to my real purpose. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving a background. Let, let me say that the reality of politics is inescapable. As I often, years ago, as I often tell my students um, when I was still teaching political science subjects, I uh, tell them that politics is everywhere. You see, all societies in the world have some sort of political structures, I would say. Even when one goes to the remotest tribe in the world, politics can be found. And as long as there is a, an institution, a structure or organization with a ruler and subjects, there is politics, irrespective of the form of government. You see, at this time, our kids are exposed to the reality of politics early in their lives, thanks to internet and uh, social media. As a matter of fact, my family often uh, talk about politics since the pandemic started. There were even times that we touched on uh, political issues during our, listen to this, would you believe that during our family devotions, we cite current events as examples to Amplify biblical truth. We even ask our children on what they think uh, about certain decisions rendered by the government. Um, more uh, most co um, common a common topic would be the quarantine status that the government would be imposing um, during this pandemic. By the way, when I say politics uh, from here on, I will be strictly. Referring to the institution of government. I know that the concept of politics is way bigger than that. But for the purpose of, of this episode, I will be using politics and the institution of, the govern, institution of government synonymously. And so the internet and social media paved the way for an increased interest in Political issues, although not in a positive manner most of the time. What do I mean by that? It's just that people nowadays find limitless freedom in expressing their political views, although those views may not always be correct. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, reckless most of the time. I believe that parents are duty-bound to teach their children about politics and government. This may shock you, but my position is that parents must be accountable in shaping the political views of, of their children, of our children. I believe this is part of 
biblical parenting. The, the Bible teaches us how to conduct ourselves with regards to our relationship towards the government. And these are the very teachings, the very principles that we have to instill in our children. And so for this episode, I will be sharing three things that we can teach our children about the subject of politics and or government. Number one, all authority emanates from God. All authority emanates from God. We must teach our children that government institutions are formed and government leaders are installed in their position, listen to this, according to the sovereign will and plan of God. You heard it right. It is actually God who wills that certain people be placed in government positions or positions of authority. Romans uh, chapter 13 verse 1 tells us this, let every person be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. I think I'll just have to repeat that second sentence. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. The main reason why we must submit to government authorities is because of this truth. All governing authorities come from God. No exceptions. Past governments existed according to the plan of God. Our present authorities are installed by God. And future authorities will be formed according also to the sovereign plan of God. With this truth, we must teach our children to do their best performing their duties as citizens of the state when they grow up. This includes um, wisely participating in the process of um, selecting leaders or commonly known as elections. However, they must also accept the fact that at the end of the day, it is actually God who will determine who the leaders would be. Christians must wisely exercise their right to participate in government processes as may be allowed by law. There's no question to that. But Christians must not, also, must not take part in any act aimed at overthrowing or discrediting the government. To go against government authority beyond that which the law of a society allows is basically rebellion against the will of God. It's basically rebelling against the will of God. So the first thing that we can teach our children about um, government and politics is that all authority emanates from God. Number two, we teach our children to pray for those in authority. So it follows, if all authority emanates from God, then we must also pray for those who are in authority. 
And I would like to believe that many of us fail in this area. I do not know why it is easy for us to criticize and lambast the government or any of its official. Maybe I know why. But finds it difficult to pray for them. You see, we, we must teach our children to pray for the government. Now, I'm not suggesting that we tolerate evil in the government or that we become passive citizens. However, Christianity requires praying for the government and its leaders. For even if you, let us say, think or feel and believe that the government is your enemy, you have no excuse not to pray for them. <laughs> After all, God tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So let us be mindful that hate begets hate. But there is redemptive value and significance in praying for our leaders. First Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 tells us this, and I quote, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Very clear. It's very clear, my friends. When we pray for the government, we can peacefully go on with our lives and sleep soundly at night, <laughs> not stress ourselves knowing that God can work in the hearts of our leaders. You, you want your children to learn how to love others regardless of how they are treated? Then you may want to, to start teaching them to pray for the government. You see, teaching our children to pray for the government is basically training them to be selfless and molding them to become respecter of people in authority. So, teach them to pray for those in authority. Number three, teach your children, we can teach our children to put their trust in God and not in men. Put their trust in God and not in men. Now, I believe that our agitation most of the time, our agitation towards the mistakes and misgivings of our government comes from a deeper problem on our end, actually. You see, many wanted their leaders to be perfect because they feel like their lives depend on the government. So, we complain when government leaders do not meet our expectations or when they seem to act foolishly on certain issues. And the way we respond in these situations is actually rooted on a more serious concern. That is, we trust men more than we trust God. We trust men more than we trust God. That's the reality. We believe in a lie that 
men are more powerful than God. Hence, we bet our lives on the government and respond negatively when the leaders do not act according to our ideals. But our children must learn to trust God more than men. Our children must learn to trust God more than men. And as a matter of fact, they must learn that God is the only one, listen to this, the only one who is trustworthy. Government institutions are made up of flawed and imperfect individuals. I know all of us can agree on that. They are made up of flawed and imperfect individuals. And consequently, they will always fall short of the ideals. Actually, the Bible tells us that authorities are instituted to punish evil and reward good. That is the ideal. But we know by experience, this is not the case most of the time. And so it is right to teach our children to do their best to obey the government and tell them to maybe try to make an impact in government leadership when they grow up. See, um, run for public office, maybe. However, we must also help them temper their expectations. Tell them not to put all their hope in an institution composed of men, but rather teach them to trust in a God who is the ruler of all. Psalm chapter 118 verses 8 to 9 says this, and I quote, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Very clear. Verse 9, It is better to take refuge in the Lord, it was repeated, than to trust in princes, in leaders of the government. If you want a perfect ruler, a perfect institution, a perfect government, unfortunately, it cannot be found in this world. <laughs> Not even in your uh, class uh classroom officials, <laughs> not at this time. It will come eventually when Christ physically returns and established his kingdom in this world. Then surely we will all witness what a perfect, quote-unquote, government is like. But in the meantime, we may want to teach our children to trust God than to put their hope on people, especially government leaders. Now, one may ask, I think this is where most of the concern lies. One may ask, how can I live with this principle when there is evident wickedness in the government? Right? You have um, leaders who um, are not righteous, who are corrupt, right? How how can you live with this principle? How can I how can I recognize that that authority came from God? How can I pray for the leaders or how can I uh, not put my trust in men whom I voted for? Right? I know that as our children are growing up, they will be exposed to the harsh realities of life and that includes their views on politics and government they will be exposed to the fact that politics are dirty and government can be corrupt in many ways. They will find out that what we taught them, such as submission to authorities and praying for the government, may be easier, may be easier 
said and heard <laughs> than applied. Now, the question is, where can they anchor their hope? What can be their comfort then? Let me answer this in closing. This is the comfort that we all can have, not only our children. Listen to this. God will judge everyone. God will judge everyone. He will hold, God will hold everyone accountable as to how they live their lives. He will hold everyone, whether you're a government leader or a follower, a subject, a ruler, he will hold everyone accountable, listen to this, as to how they perform the responsibilities given to them as revealed in the scriptures, in the Bible. So with that, should it worry you when, let us say, a leader is corrupt and he always seems to get away with it? Should it worry us? If you are a Christian, I would say it should not worry you. If you are a Christian, you should not worry about it. Why? Because there will be a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. God clearly says in His Word, vengeance is His. What we should be worried about is our responsibility as parents. What we must be concerned about is how we, how we and our children submit to and pray for government authority. And what we must focus on is nourishing and developing genuine trust and faith in God. So that's it for today's episode. Till next time. 